I'm Scott Abraham from ABC7 in Washington, D.C. You know who it is. Travis Thomas Experience. This is Eric at home of Yahoo Sports. This is Mitch Tischler. This is Al Galdi, and you're listening to The Big Douglas Show. Today on The Big Douglas Show, we welcome Matthew Paris from The Washington Times. Good morning, Matthew. How are you? Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Thank you. Thanks for coming on. Uh, before we get to the on-field stuff, I won't ask you to comment on the article yesterday from the Post, but... Uh, I am curious, do you think that 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 there's been enough information now to get Dan to sell the team? Um, You know, I think that is a huge question. But right now, you know, I think more would need to be uncovered. Um, It wasn't enough for the NFL to hire another investigator outside the one um, Washington hired. They've hired Beth Wilkinson to investigate the, the claims, and the NFL considers her to be independent enough. So... You know, the NFL didn't step in and overhaul the investigation that's already ongoing. So, you know, based on that alone, I I don't know if the league is rushing to get Dan Snyder out of there. But, hey, maybe if this investigation uncovers some other allegations, maybe then. But right now, you know, I think it's too soon to say that. Do you think that it's because the rest of the league is concerned that if they push this, Dan will start making them? clean their own closets. <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, that might be part of it for sure, but you know, there's a clause in the NFL bylaws that gives um, the commissioner the power to, you know, force someone out, but it's never been enacted. You know, you think back to three years ago with the Carolina Panthers owner, uh, Jerry Richardson, he, he sold the team amid pressure, but the NFL didn't actually have to invoke that clause. So you know, I don't think they want to have precedent here with Dan Snyder being the first to do so. And, and you know, because it's just very legally tricky. You know, I'm not a lawyer, but you would have to prove that Dan Snyder's conduct has been detrimental to the NFL as the phrasing. And now whether the allegations in this specific case rise to that, you know, it would have to be proven. And I don't know if they want to jump through those hurdles just yet. Sure. And to, and to that point, uh, detrimental to the league, uh, they're still making money. He he may have been detrimental to the franchise because it's certainly not um, maybe as prestigious as it was when he bought it, but they're all still making money for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Sure. In, in light of the Lakers and Clippers canceling their seasons in the midst of a playoffs, do you think that it has put any – extra weight on the NFL and college football. Do you think those seasons may be in jeopardy? Um, You know, I don't think it would be in jeopardy per se, but we've seen some teams kind of altering their schedules for the time being. Washington was supposed to practice at FedEx field on Thursday, but Ron Rivera and new team president, Jason Wright made the decision to uh, cancel practice. And they're going to use Thursday as a day of reflection instead talk about race and, those sorts of things. So I think the issue of race and what they can do to help their communities are, you know, are at the forefront still. And um, they're going to use it to come up with ways to help. But right now, I don't think this season's in any jeopardy at all, because you just think of what, what they would stand to lose in terms of money and that sort of thing. I, you know, it's way too, too big for that. So I don't think owners are in any rush. And I don't think necessarily players are either. They just want to 
to come up with ways to still make a difference. I I think you're right on that one for sure. Okay, let's get to the field then. Uh, you've been covering the team for three years, I think you told me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Since and I, I, I asked I asked that question just because um, I'm curious the differences that you found between what they commonly refer to was Camp Gruden and what we've got here with Rivera. Yeah, it's it's really striking so far. You know, I think there was a little bit of misconception that Jay Gruden never got on his guys or anything like that. But we've seen Ron Rivera um, have like huddles after practice every day, a team meeting. I just pretty brief, but you know, that, that is new. He gathers them and gives them a message of the day. Um, we've seen a lot more hitting in, in practice, which I think is what Rivera wants. He wants them to play at a fast tempo from go to one drill at a next. And, you know, it is also more, a little bit more serious, like under Gruden, there was more music in the past, just small differences like that, where I, you can really tell the difference. But right now I think players are adapting well to it, you know, Adrian Peterson called the difference night and day. And, you know, I think they're really enjoying that fresh approach. You mentioned tempo. They've been practicing with a much greater sense of urgency. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where you kind of see that is it's not just so much on the field as well, but it's, it's okay. The drill is over Um, sprint, uh, not sprint, but, you know, just like hurry up and get to, in that yeah. place you're supposed to be there there's like a water break and the guy yells like water you know like it, it's it, even for like a water drill there's like urgency so it, it's just kind of things like that where they want to take it seriously there's no goofing around that sort of thing where are where are you where are you guys set up now because you don't have quite the access that you used to is that right yeah, so we're a little bit farther back, but the view is still pretty good. Um, there's a tent for us to work in. We're not allowed in the actual facility before there would be a, a building that we'd have our media room in and we can't get in there. But, you know, considering the adjustments that, you know, people that we've had to make, understandably, because of the coronavirus, it's really not too bad. We can still do our jobs. Um, talking to every player is a little bit more difficult, but they still do a good job of making players available. And so... You know, it's not too bad overall. They've also cut the number of credentials down. Is that right? Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, just because of uh, size concerns, there's, you know, they've had to like cap things at 30. And, um, but, you know, a lot of the regulars are, are still there. Are you surprised? Uh, Chase Young and Ryan Kerrigan have been running with the twos. Is that correct? Well, um, sort of right like Chase Young primarily has been uh, that's and I think a large part because of his hip flexor injury Ryan Kerrigan uh, has been mostly with the ones they've also given him a couple days off in terms of just or not so much off but they've limited his teamwork just to I think keep him fresh Uh, you know we've seen Ryan Kerrigan with the ones sometimes with the twos but very rarely Uh, and Young when he was healthy he had been mixing with the ones every once in a while as well You've mentioned Chase Young's injury. Uh, is the team just being careful? Is the hip flexor more than they're letting on to? Uh, yeah, I think they're being careful in large part. I think it is still kind of bothering him. You know, they've incorporated him back into practice slowly, but he is doing a little bit of teamwork uh, now. He did goal line drills the other day, but, 
you know, he admitted that he's still thinking about the injury. And for a player like that who relies so much on his speed, you want to be able to go on full go. So they're going to be smart with this. They're going to be careful. You know, time is it is getting closer and closer to the regular season. But I don't think he's in jeopardy of missing a game or anything like that. How far are we out from the regular season now? About three weeks, uh, maybe two and a half. Yeah, yeah it's, it starts September 13th against the Eagles. So, you know, it'll get here before we know uh, it. I know that's right. Uh, a couple other injuries that I noticed. Sadiq Charles has still not made it into action, although he has been seen on the field recently. Do we have an update on him? Uh, yeah, he's been dealing with a calf injury. He has this pretty big bandage around his leg. He was stretching the other day uh, before practice, kind of joining teams, the team in like their pre-stretch line, which is a good sign. But yeah, he hasn't been doing any drills or anything like that. I've seen a picture of his calves. Were they able to wrap it with one ace bandage? Mm -hmm. Yes, that's correct. Um, Fabian Moreau was held out of practice the other day. Yeah, yeah. He went down the day before that. I'm not sure necessarily what's wrong there because he returned mid-practice, I believe. Um, but okay. they they kept him out, and that was a chance to for them to see Jimmy Moreland and that sort of thing. So, Well, I was going to say because he can't afford to miss time, can he? I mean, that man's entrenched in a battle. No, yeah, and, you know, you, you would think you'd kind of look at the roster and um, you would think that okay, maybe, maybe he'd have some like some playing time because you'd go Darby on the outside, Moreau on the outside, and and Fuller on the inside. Well, the way that this is playing out, it's been Darby. I think has really solidified. I think he's looked maybe like the best corner that they have, um, and I have, Moreland has gotten some time inside, and they've put Fuller inside and out. So, you know, it, it is. I don't think Fabian Moreau has had the camp that he's wanted. Um, I think this is a big year for him. And so far, I think Moreland has looked a little bit more impressive even before the injury. I'd like to get back to the corners in a second. Do you, Have you noticed from Fabian, sometimes competition pushes guys harder. Sometimes it makes them fold. Have you noticed from Fabian that he's treated this like, hey, I've got to win this job? Um. You know, no, but only because we haven't had a chance to talk to him. <laughs> no, right. I haven't. Right. So maybe he, he is viewing that. Like, I know that he feels a lot more comfortable on the outside, and I think this is a year that they kind of realized that. <laughs> um, and so, you know, I think he enjoyed his – he played well, but maybe during the last stretch of the season. So. Right, last season. Yeah, so – like maybe this will be like Ron Rivera, like playing under Ron Rivera and Jack Del Rio, it will be better for him. But you know he needs to prove it to these guys. And you talk about um, preseason games, like where that matters, and right. a guy like Jaden Rowe yeah. who needs all the chances he can get. So yeah, I was surprised because I I guess I had assumed that they would have Darby on one side. I think people forget Darby's only problem is injury, right? He was a second round pick. And then I figured they'd have Moreau on the other side and kick um, Fuller. Fuller into the nickel. It, it seems like they are leaving Fuller outside more than I had expected. Do you think that's because of the money that he's getting? Um, Not necessarily. I mean, maybe, but uh, like 
I think they're just trying to find what what works. Like, you know, Kansas City played Fuller on the outside here and there as well. And, I, you know, if I had to guess, I would maybe guess that Fuller um, – spends most of his time inside but we've yeah we've seen a lot of them on the outside as well and I think they're just doing that to see what what he can handle and you know uh, Darby has been matched up on Terry McLaurin a lot but Fuller goes against him too so um yeah I think Fuller's responded really well he was held out of practice the other day um just I don't know what's going on with him in terms of an injury but you know, he didn't do as much work, but I don't think there's any complaints about Kendall Fuller so far or that position group as a whole. It has seemed that this staff has been more proactive instead of reactive when it comes to injuries and holding guys out. Do you think that's a fair assessment? Um, I don't know. Maybe. Like, uh, I, don't, I don't think that it's necessarily wrong, but I think the thing with injuries in the past it wasn't so much guys getting hurt or like holding them out it was once they were hurt how were they recovering and I don't think it was necessarily all that well like you look at a guy like Colt McCoy last year well his leg was recovered quote-unquote but then it came back and aggravated it again so it's really more so about how these how this treatment and stuff goes but you know that that's a whole world where we don't get to see we don't get to see what guys yeah, are showing up to their rehab on time and um, like always having their appointments. So you know, it goes a lot goes into it more than we're allowed to see for sure. Foster has been practicing with the third team. Do you think that again is getting him back into playing shape after the injury, or where they view him on the roster? Um, I think it's yeah. I think a lot of it has to do with shape, but yeah, you know it. I, I think it's a mix of both because linebacker has been really surprising so far. I, it's definitely the toughest position to get a full fill on. Like Kevin Pierre Lewis has been practicing mostly with the ones and he's like pretty good, but you know, there's a guy like Sean Dion Hamilton who, you know, we t- talked about Fabian Moreau earlier and whether he gets the sense that this is a big opportunity. Well, I can definitely say that about Sean Dion Hamilton. This guy is flying everywhere in practice, trying to make every hit. Uh, you know, he's entering the last year of his contract and there's a spot, starting spot open. So, you know, I think he's really def- recognized the moment and he's looked really, uh, really good. And, you know, you have a guy like John Bostic and, and Cole Holcomb. The, this this position is surprisingly pretty deep, more than I thought it was at the beginning of the year. Would you, Is it fair to compare the linebacker room to the running back room in the sense that, there may not be a superstar on the group or at least one that hasn't hit that level yet, but boy, it is deep. Yeah. Yeah. I would definitely say that that's the closest uh, position. Has Pierre Lewis been the biggest surprise of camp so far, or do you give that to Troy Apke? Yeah, definitely Troy Apke. (laughs) I mean, Kevin Pierre Lewis, he played well in Chicago and filling in for Rokon Smith at the end of last year. And, you know, coaches have kind of talked Lewis up in the preseason, like early in the offseason, that, hey, this guy might be a surprise. So, you know, you're, you're kind of looking for that sort of thing. Apti was, there was no mention of him at all. And, you know, I know he filled in for Monte Nicholson and did okay. But this this is a guy that just looked like such a project when they drafted him three years ago. And there were still serious flaws about his game in terms of missing 
angles and and that sort of thing. So, uh, but yeah, he's he's been steady with the ones. I don't know if Sean Davis has gotten a rep next to Landon Collins at all. And so, uh, yeah, I was going to say there's a couple of guys on on the team that it feels like we don't hear anything about. Sean Davis is one, no doubt, yeah. and um, and. Uh, the tight end uh, Richard Rogers, right? Yeah. Is, is he practicing? I yeah. haven't heard anything about him. Yes, he is uh, practicing, but it, he's more of a blocking tight end, and um, they really haven't. I don't. We'll see if he makes the roster. I don't. We'll see. I guess it depends how many they want to keep. But um, Logan Thomas and Marcus Ball are definitely ahead of him, and, and I would say Jeremy Sprinkle has looked has been more involved with the offense as well. Sure, and and to that point, Hale Hench has caught two, three touchdowns in the last couple games last year. Right? Yeah, yeah, and Hale Hench has has been active as well. So it, it, I mean, it's not an inspiring group. I think it's one of their weakest positions on the roster, but um, maybe maybe the weakest. But I think they have a little bit of a pecking order established, and Rogers, I don't know, we'll see. Certainly on the outside looking yes. in. Yes, yeah, I would, I would say so. When we move to the receiver group, we know about McLaurin. I think most fans have gotten a, a grip on what Steven Sims Jr. can be. Who is next in line in that receiver room? Um, in terms of, sorry, uh, with McLaurin and then Sims, Steven Sims? Yeah, McLaurin's and Sims I think we know yeah. about, and I, I know people are in on Gandy Golden. Inman, is he making yeah. moves? Yeah. I know they picked him up kind of like knowing that Latimer was not going to be with the team much longer. How's that room shaking Yeah, you out? know, they're still rotating it constantly. A lot of – it's not – you know, if Haskins and the starting line gets five reps, then maybe the, the starting receivers are on the field for three wet reps and then they, like, rotate in some backups to get some additional work with Haskins, like, on the outside. So they're really um, – like kind of experimenting still, but yeah, I would say Inman is the guy that has emerged opposite Antonio Gandy Golden. I think, you know, there, there's he doesn't really pop. He really hasn't had a lot of like spectacular catches that maybe someone would think. Ron Rivera has talked about the need for uh, Golden to learn how to separate at the right time correctly. And I still think he's working his way through that. He's learning the, the compl- you know, the, the depths of a route tree and that sort of thing. So Inman is a guy who's been around. Ron Rivera really likes his tall receivers. He fits that profile. I don't know necessarily if Ron Rivera, or not Ron Rivera, as Inman has made like spectacular plays, but he seems to be running opposite McCorn for sure. But another guy that has really stood out is, is Cam Sims, and I know we've heard this story before, but that guy can make some catches for sure and practice it. I'm with you. I've been on that Cam Sims train for a while, and I think this may be his year to shine. Yeah, we'll just see if he gets opportunities. You know, sometimes when the lights come on, it is that the cliche goes. It's just, you know, Cam Sims had a great training camp last year, and I think he had three catches in all of 2019. So it really, really needs to be. I, I, wonder, I was thinking about that the other day. I wonder if that's, and correct me if I'm wrong, but one of Jay Gruden's flaws, if you will, was he fell in love with guys and never got off them. Is that right? Yeah, a little bit. I mean, that was more so with Ryan Grant. Um, 
being here, but he wasn't here. And uh, it was Ryan and um, Byron Marshall was another Jay Green guy, but I just never saw it. But um, there wasn't really anyone. I think Jay Gruden, you know, if there was a receiver that would have stepped up, he would have loved it. You know, obviously he was connected to McCorn, but, um, you know, I, Jay Gruden would have willingly taken the production of someone else if it meant saving his job. So, um, well, no doubt. Couple more while I got you. Uh, they got Haskins. Alex Smith is now back out doing more and more stuff all the time. And they spent a fifth rounder uh, on Allen. Do you think that they roll with three quarterbacks on the roster this yeah, year? Yeah, I do. I think it's a it's a question of whether Alex Smith is healthy enough to make the opening fifty three man roster. Or will they put him on IR like the or you know PUP again? But I, you know, I, I you can't no, put him, yeah. you can't put him on the PUP again. Yeah, no, I, uh, sorry about that. Um, yeah, I guess IR would be their route. And to do IR, you would have to have him make the initial fifty-three man roster, and then put him on IR. That happened with Byron Marshall. Right, and they're and they're on the hook for him for yeah. fifteen, seventeen million. Yeah, right. right. And, and the money thing is, you know. I think they'd have Alex Smith around. Yeah, hey, hey. you know they have plenty of cap space. I, I, that's that's not a problem. Um, maybe next year's a different conversation. But yeah, no, I think it makes sense to go with three. It's really just a matter of whether Alex Smith can play. But um, you never know with coronavirus either, and oh, they're going to need an extra quarterback. So yeah, I, I definitely think they'll have three on the roster. On the D line, I've been thinking about this for couple of months now they're not going to be able to pay everybody mm-hmm. down the road who do you think is the odd man out they'll have to pay sweat they'll have to pay chase young we don't have to worry about for a while but alan's up in two years right i and i just up in two years pain will be up soon yeah. um and, and so two-part question i'm curious how tim settle has looked in camp because yeah. i i think that if he continues to play well, he can be the Ionitis type guy that you've had. Do are they able to pay all four defensive linemen top tier money? You know, I, I'd be surprised if they would be able to. Or just in terms of does it does it make sense to willingly commit that many resources to the line? Because um, you know Chase Young's contract will be here before you know it as well, um, and. So if if one if one man is out between Allen Payne and Ioannidis in the next couple of years, who do you guess that would be? You no, know, it's way too soon to say. But if I had the guess gun to my head, I think it would be Jonathan Allen. Um, you know, in terms of just what those guys get paid for a defensive end of his caliber, you know, I think he's a pretty solid player. Um, he obviously means a lot to the franchise, so maybe that like he has a he holds a strong voice in the locker room, so maybe they keep him in partly for that. But you look at camp right now, what I think the most surprising thing has been about the defensive line is you look at the defensive tackle position and who's running with the, the first team. Well, it's Ionitis and then they rotate Allen and Payne in. But Ionitis really seems to have that one spot solidified. So I think Ionitis has played um, really well. Obviously, he was he led them in sacks last year, but I think he's continued to impress. And you look at last year, I was looking at this the other day in terms of just snap counts, and Ionitis, um, of those three, had the most snaps between 
Alan Payne and, um, and him. So I thought that was a little surprising as well. You know, Ionitis has really stood out to this coaching staff and for good reason, I think. I discussed that the other day. It had surprised me too that no matter how they've shaken up the D-line, to your point, Ionitis is the one consistent that's in there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, I, you know, I think having a guy like Chase Young in the outside of Montez Sweat will only continue to have him, you know, reap the benefits of that. Before we let you run, and I appreciate you being so generous with your time today, uh, a couple more camp surprises. Um, hmm, Let's think. Cameron Curl has been – you know, an interception machine as of late. That's the sa- that's the safety dimebacker yeah. that they drafted. Yeah, this so year. I don't know necessarily think he'll be seeing the field all that much, but you talk about a guy maybe who can contribute down the line. Ron Rivera said the other day that he's been impressed with um, the way that he he doesn't make the same mistake twice, which is what you want to see at every rookie, and he's responded really well. Another guy who's Scott, my eye is, uh, speaking of Jay Gruden guys, is Trey Quinn. Um, he's been a really, like, if Steven Sims were to go down, he's just really emerged as, like, a, as, with Kyle Allen anyway, he's been, like, the kind of the go-to, all right, maybe there's nothing there for it to Trey Quinn. Um, he's looked pretty well. Uh, another a couple guys on the defensive line, James Smith-Williams, their seventh-round defensive end, has looked pretty good. Also, um, Jordan Brailford, their seventh rounder from last year, has been really fast. So um, there, there are a couple surprises. I don't know necessarily who will make it. Like, I don't know if they'll have a a, like a difference. They'll make a difference uh, this upcoming season, but it in terms of when who stands out in practice, it, it's those guys. Yeah. To, to your point real quick, James Smith-Williams, um, I'm down here in the Carolina area. His deal was never um, ability. He's another guy that was being played out of position and also got injured that last year. So I, I think they are high on him. I'm sure he goes to the practice squad, but he's got a little talent. Yeah. Matthew, you got anything uh, coming up you want to tell us about? Um, no, just, uh, you know, if you can read my writing on WashingtonTimes.com, that, that'd be great. Or pick up a hard copy of the paper if you ever see it. Um, but no, I just, yeah, uh, thanks for reading my work and uh, appreciate you having me on. All right, Matthew Parrish from the Washington Times. We appreciate yeah. it. Thank you for having me.